Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that after seven weeks, we are finishing strong today. This has been a unique semester, Lord. We have felt shaken and wobbly in various different forms because of Hurricane Harvey, because of other things in our lives, and yet you have remained faithful from start to finish. And so we give you great glory today. And I just ask God that for the next few minutes, Lord, would you just come in a powerful way and would you speak to us and be glorified um, as Dawn shares her story, as we get to visit together um, and we get to see you, the great I am, present in one of our lives uh, clearly today. And so we just thank you ahead of time and we just ask that you would uh, have your way with us today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let me just recap what we've done the last seven weeks, because I know every week we have someone new, and I love that. For seven weeks, we have talked about I am. I am is one of the names that God calls himself in Scripture. And I am means there's no beginning and end, that he's always been. He is I am. He's always present. And the reason we decided to focus on that this semester really did come from Hurricane Harvey. We had really depend, uh, decided to go one direction, and then Harvey hit. We were all shaken up, whether you were flooded or not. And so we really believed God was leading us in a new direction, and that was to anchor us in who he is, his character. And we really have been drawing from Exodus 34 all semester long. When Moses, being tired from his mission, being tired from leading the stiff-necked people called the Israelites, finally said, I need to see you, Lord. I just need to experience your presence. Would you show yourself to me? And the Lord said, yes. And he led Moses up to Mount Sinai, you might remember. And he passed before him in Exodus 34. In verse 5, it says the Lord passed before Moses. And when he did, in verse 6, he began to call out his name, to Moses, and he said, I am Yahweh, the Lord, translated I am. And then he begins to describe who he is. And all semester long, we've taken line by line of the Lord's character, his self-description, and we've unpacked it. And the reason that we've done that is that so in the middle of our storm, we don't have to be shaken. We know who holds us. We know who's at work in our lives. He's I am. He's the compassionate and gracious God. He's the God that is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. His steadfast love extends to thousands for generations. He forgives our iniquity, our sin, and our rebellion. And yet he's a just God and does not excuse the guilty. And we talked about that last week. All of the messages are on our website, and I would encourage you to go back and, and view them and listen to them over the course of the holiday season if you haven't been here every week, because I think the Lord would minister to you through that. So we've looked at I am for seven weeks, and this seventh week, typically our semesters run for six weeks, but when we do a seventh week, we love to do something a little bit different, mix it up on the last week. And so what I've asked is for our good friend Dawn Cunningham, and I'll introduce you to her in just a second, to share her story with me. I'm going to interview her, and we're going to talk about who I am has been to her literally in her own personal storm. But before I bring her up on stage, we have recorded a video of her, and I want you to see it, and it'll kind of give you a jump start into her world currently, and then I'll have her come up, and we'll go from there. Well, it started with the Cinco de Mayo party in 2014, and I talked to Laura. I didn't know who she was. I talked to her for a little while, and I said, oh, okay, and I forgot about it. And then uh, I was in California in the summer, 
that, that summer, and uh, Sylvia called me, and, and I said, why, why are you calling me? And she said, I don't know. I said, but you called me. And she said, I know, God told me to call you, so start talking to me. At that Cinco de Mayo party, I met this person named Laura in this Bible study. Why don't you tell me about that? And so Sylvia started telling me about it, and I said, okay, well, you know, I go to Bible studies, but this sounds fun. This sounds fun because I can come at lunchtime, and I don't have to prepare, and I can just sit and be fed. So I started to come, and I realized, yes, well, that's interesting. The word yes, yes ministries, say yes to God. That was in the fall, and I was having headaches, and then I found out in January that I had this very, very rare sinus cancer that's very aggressive and very lethal, and that I was going to be dead in two months. And I thought, oh, wow, that's not very much time. What do I do in two months if I'm going to be dead in two months? And it was in March that after two chemotherapy treatments that they do another scan to see, is it even working? Because if it's not working, they just give up and give you palliative care and tell you, be happy. Um, so I learned that the chemotherapy was having this fabulous response on the tumor. And Normally that doesn't happen, and so I, this was on the 24th of March, and I came home and I just was in tears. I was by myself, and I just sort of collapsed on my living room floor, and I just started to cry, I'm gonna cry again. And I just said, God, if this is what it means to say yes, I say yes, I don't know what it means, but I say yes to you. And um, so I kind of went about my day and, you know, kind of, did the chemotherapy and did the things I was supposed to do. And I got worse and I got worse and I got worse. And I started the proton therapy and I got even worse. And um, I said, God, this is not what I meant. I, 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 didn't, I don't mean yes to this. I take it back. And God talked to me and he said, no, you can't take it back because yes means yes. And you don't go back on your promises. And then at the end of the therapy, of the proton therapy, they you, you ring a big gong and they give you a magic marker and they, there's this big, huge wall. And on this wall, everybody gets to write whatever they want to write. And the only thing I could write was, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there was nothing else really to say. And so that's kind of how I learned that yes isn't about, isn't about me, it's about him. My name is Dawn, and this is my yes. Well, this is my cute friend, Dawn Cunningham. Many of you know her, and look at her cute hair coming back in. Uh, Dawn, thanks for being with us today. She came all the way down to Friendswood yesterday and shared with us in Friendswood, and it was such a blessing to so many. Can you guys see her? Do we need to back up a little bit? Are you am okay? I too, am I you can't see me, can you? Do you want me to? Y'all good? Everybody's good. Okay, good. All right. So what I wanted to do is I thought it would be great today is if we just took a few minutes and she and I just had a conversation and you guys got to listen in to what it's like, and you know this, you all, so many of you could be up here yourselves, but I wanted Dawn to come up and just talk about what has it been like to really put the pedal to the metal, I guess that's what they say, when I am really has to, to be real to you. I, I was thinking about this as we're watching the Astros, and my son Ben, in his mind, is a really great pitcher, 
and he watches on TV and he watches their <laughs> wind up and he, he looks at YouTube videos and he reads about techniques of pitching and in the living room, he does a great wind up and he loves to tell me how I would do a great wind up. But it's altogether different when he's on the mound, right? And when he's on the mound and he pitched for the first time last fall, it was like, do you have it? Do you really get it? Is this really gonna prove to be true in your life? And he, he did a great pitch, and, but it's different, isn't it? And so for me, even when I teach Bible studies and read scripture and talk about it, it's different to talk to you and to talk about Jesus as God over our storms. And, and that's all true. And I believe it when I'm teaching it. But there's certain times when the Lord leads me through a storm so that I know it in my gut. And I go, oh, 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 this is who I am really is to me. And so that's why Dawn is here because she's had real life experience as we've been walking through these seven weeks in a way that maybe some of us have not. And so that's why you're here today. And I'm so grateful that you said yes to even this. And I'm grateful that you were honest about your story when you said, I collapsed on the floor and said, this is not what I said yes to. And so tell us quickly, I just, that spurred me when I saw that. When you initially said yes on that floor, what do you think you were saying yes to? Well, I thought I was saying yes to, I'm going to do something for God. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get out there and do something. You're going to use this story and I'm going to do something. Well, that God didn't have that in mind for me. God had me flat on my back for mm -hmm. months and months mm -hmm. and months after that, hardly alive. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, I'm not doing anything. And I realized it's not about me doing. Mm. It's about me living with Christ. Yeah. And it's about other people saw Christ in me as people came to my house or did things, whatever. They would say, I see Christ in you. Mm. And it wasn't me they saw. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, when I said, no, I didn't mean this. I'm, I'm thinking, no, I don't mean to, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be yeah. in bed. I, I, I need to be, I need to get better. And yeah. he said, no, it's not about you getting better. Yeah. Because, I, and I, the reason I ask you that is because truly there have been so many times when I've surrendered my life and I've said yes to God, but I've said yes to God with an attachment of expectations of, well, that's what this will mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm saying yes to this. I'm not saying yes to this. And really what he knows to be true is that when we say yes, regardless of our um, finite understanding, we're really saying yes to him. We're saying yes to him. We're saying yes to a relationship with him. And he allows that to become real through many of the storms in our lives. So take us back uh, quickly, Don, to when you first um, were diagnosed and how that came about. You shared that a little bit, but tell us a little bit okay, about that. Okay, so I was having headaches in the fall of last year and they were perplexing. Nobody really knew what to do with the headaches. Um, I don't know, four or five different doctors, a couple trips to the emergency room. It was always sinus, sinus infection, here's some more antibiotics. Um, and I would get better, get worse, get better, get worse. And um, finally, uh, in January, uh, I had another one of these severe headaches. And I, I don't know, God must have told me to do this. I called my children's pediatrician who is no longer practicing. Now, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> really for a headache yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I called him it was a Sunday and I got his wife on the phone because I had his mobile phone and I, I told him I was having these headaches and, the, and his wife said well he's at Barnes and Noble reading a book go see him there so I did oh wow and um <laughs> you're in Barnes and Noble right over there on West Gray and uh he was reading a book called Brain <laughs> I 
just had to laugh. And, and um, he basically kind of talked to me for a little bit, touched my head, it really hurt. He said, go get a CAT scan. And I was like, I knew you were weird, but this is really weird. Why am I going to get a CAT scan? He said, I don't know. I just know you need to get a CAT scan. Got to the emergency room, and they didn't even want to do the CAT scan. Uh, they said it was crazy. Really? But yeah, yeah. But this weird doctor, they said, kept calling him, telling him to do the CAT scan. And that, the pediatrician kept calling yeah, him? Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah. And so they did the CAT scan. They said it was fungus. They said it wasn't. I had to get it out, went back to ENTs. And then finally, it became clearer and clearer clearer and clearer that nobody knew what it was and then I finally ended up at MD Anderson and they diagnosed it. Unbelievable. It was a bizarre story. Yeah, that is a, and yeah. even there I am as present with you and getting you to the right help that you need. Oh my gosh. Oh, I have never shared this, but um, I actually, I'm a, since I'm a cancer survivor of breast cancer and I have metastatic breast cancer, I know my breast oncologist and an internist there very, very well since I've been there so long. I actually tried to do the normal system to yeah. get in. You can't. It doesn't work. Yeah. So I actually took their uh, work emails, you know, the ones that go to their office that their, that their assistants get to see. And I wrote to both of them and said, I need to get in. This is what's going on. One was in Paraguay looking at the waterfalls. The other was somewhere in Europe doing something else. Both of them responded. Both of them sent me to the brain center because they first thought it was that and got me in and they, I was diagnosed within a week of that. Ne neither of them were even there. That's amazing. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. Just phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. And so it's interesting, Don, because just in your story and from what we can see, your, your relationship with the Lord, your faith is strong in the sense that you believe him. And, but that's not always been true. And so give us just kind of a, a, snapshot. a snapshot of your faith journey and and how it began. Well, as a child, I went to church. It was obligatory. There really was no God. Uh, we didn't pray. We didn't have a Bible. No one even mentioned the word God, although the priest did in church. Uh, and so when I was 14, I decided there was no God. I was an atheist. And I stayed an atheist until my late 20s, was starting to go through some difficult times. And I wandered into a church. And I sat in the pew. And I, it was, I was by myself, and I just said, okay, God, do you really exist? I'm curious. I wonder if you do. If you do, you need to show me. Well, God did. He showed me in fabulous ways. And so then I got scared and thought, well, I better find out who this God is. <laughs> <laughs> he exists, and I don't understand this at all. So um, I put my children in a, a Christian school. I bought a, a children's Bible, and I started to read the children's Bible with my children, and that's how I started my journey. Then by 1999, when my breast cancer uh, arose, uh, at that point is when I really started my Christian journey. I, before that, it was theory. Mm -hmm. It was I was learning about it, but then in, in, when I went through the breast cancer, I had a personal relationship with Christ, and it's been growing deeper ever since. Which I love that you said that. One is, is just how, how simple uh, and, and how beautiful our relationships with the Lord are, is that it's not rocket science. It's not, I must know the Greek translation of every New Testament verse to prove that I'm really spiritual. But as a grown woman, she bought a children's Bible and that really began. And what I love about the Lord is his preparation in our lives. Because for many of us in the room, as we've walked through seven weeks of the study of I am, we're doing great. We're not in a crisis. We're not in a storm right now. And so while this is great, 
you're taking it in. It's not a season where you're needing to apply it particularly as much. But what I love about the Lord is that he's always preparing us. He's always prepping us. And so all of those years that you spent reading the children's Bible prepped you for the season in 99 when you really had to begin to get on the mound yourself and Mm -hmm. begin to trust him in a way that was... um, that, that became real for you. And, um, and that's what is interesting because as we walk through this life, it's very easy to have a belief system. We all hold a belief system about something. We have a belief system about faith. We have a belief system about integrity, about moral ethics, about all sorts of things. We all have a belief system about things. Um, but it doesn't really become gut level until it's all you have. And so in our lives, we can attend church, we can attend Bible study, we can serve, we can do so many things, and Jesus still isn't really the central uh, force in our lives until he's all that we have. And unfortunately, but also fortunately, in life, it's the storms that make that real. It's the storms, and in, the, in Scripture, God says, in this life you will have trials, but take heart. And so oftentimes it's the trials that he uses to make us really depend on him. And, and that's mm-hmm. certainly been true, been mm-hmm. true for you, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, as you've talked about, we shared about this yesterday. Tell us, give us some snapshots of this season because it's not been neat and tidy. It's not been like, oh, God showed up here and then he showed up here and I, it wasn't a struggle. The proton therapy wasn't hard. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and there wasn't a neat, tidy bow on it. And, and in fact, um, you're not in remission yet, correct? Correct, I'm not. Okay, and so we're still in the thick of it. And so tell us, give us some snapshots about how I am became personal to you through this storm. Well, uh, oh, there's so many examples, but I'll, I'll take one in chemotherapy, uh, or a couple in chemotherapy. Chemotherapy was very difficult because the chemotherapy drug that they had to use for this particular cancer is extremely caustic. So... Twice I had anaphylactic shock during the chemotherapy, and twice I didn't die. So I know that that's God, Mm -hmm. because I was apparently all red, and I wasn't breathing, and my kidneys stopped because I could feel that part. Uh, But he just showed up, and I I lived. And then there's another time when, well, my veins were all collapsed because uh, the chemotherapy burned through the veins and it burns through the skin and it creates wounds and things. So they decided to put a pick line in my arm. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it kind of comes in here and it threads up your vein and it ends up in up here so that when the chemotherapy goes into your body, mm-hmm. it is going in with more volume. There's more volume around it so it can't burn the vein. Okay. Right? Because there's more blood there uh-huh. than there is in the little tiny vein down right. here. Uh, so anyway, so they were trying to put it in and it got stuck. It just wouldn't go. It got right to here and it wouldn't go. And so I'm laying there and she's like, you can't move. I'm like, okay. And so finally she called another nurse and then another nurse because they didn't figure out what to do. And then she just looked at me and she said, I think we're just going to have to stop. And at that moment, I just said, Lord, you got to show up Mm. right now. You got to show up. As I was saying it, Laura, the line just went poof, went through. Really? Just poof. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) he is powerful. And then the nurse looked at me and she just looked straight at me and she said, what did you just do? Mm. And I told her. And she started to cry. And I said, why why are you crying? And she said, at that instant, 
I asked Christ the same thing. <laughs> and I love that. I was just like, God, uh, oh my, you're, 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 you're present. You are present in the storm. And uh, that was chemotherapy. Uh, that was just a couple of things there. Tell us, yesterday you shared a... The proton? A, yeah, I just, I love, it's a sweet like, story though. Just, my sweet proton story? Well, I'm going to scare you a little bit in the beginning. But know She's that a it has... strange, but that's but why you're here. But you're know, in good company. <laughs> know that it has a happy ending, okay? As you get nervous as I start to tell you this, as your anxiety rises. <laughs> Um, so proton therapy for my sinus tumor was right here. So proton therapy to your head is, consists of getting this mask made uh, of this mesh. And it kind of molds to your face, up to your head, pushes on your eyes, around your mouth, your neck, down to about here. And it's so tight that you can't open your eyes, you can't swallow. And so what they do is they, they put this mask on you and then they bolt you down to a table. There's 12 bolts and you're lying very flat on your back, bolted to a table with this block of plastic in your mouth that then goes through the mask so that you can't move and your tongue doesn't get radiated. And it's very scary. It's a very scary thing because you're in the dark. And proton therapy takes, I had four fields, so it takes from anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes depending on who else was there and what was going on in the proton therapy center. And as I started proton therapy and I got this mask made, I'm thinking, whoa, this is weird. Plus it's a bright fluorescent green. Like they could have picked a better color. Yeah, yeah. They you really could have picked listen, a better color. when they give you their survey, you should write that <laughs> yeah, down. I want, yeah, I want like pink or yeah, something. Yeah. It just, fluorescent green was, was awful. I, I felt like a Martian. But anyway, so uh, I looked around the proton center and I was starting my proton therapy at six weeks. Uh, five days a week for six weeks, and people were in there ahead of me. Mm -hmm. And they're all heavily drugged, heavily, heavily sedated with opioid narcotics. And I started to talk to the caregivers of these people, because as they went in, I would say, wow, how long have you been here? Just start to talk. And they would say, you know, well, he's drugged because it's, it's so freaky, you know? And so I went in and I started to get afraid. About two weeks into it, a friend of mine goes to a church she never goes to, listens to the story in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those guys? They were in the furnace. And she texted me, hey, Dawn. I was at the Proton Center. It was one evening. Hey, Dawn, I'm, I'm hearing about Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And hey, it's awesome. Don't you remember? God just showed up in the furnace with them. And he wandered all around, and they weren't burned up. You're not going to burn up. And I'm thinking, great, but I'm not worried about burning up. I'm worried about choking. Did <laughs> <laughs> they oh. choke in the furnace? Was there anything about that? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm laying there on the, on the proton table that, that evening in the dark with the beam doing its thing. And I realized God came to earth, century, mm -hmm. not centuries, millennia before he sent Jesus Christ. He came to the earth and he went under the earth into the furnace mm -hmm. that was down below. And he mm. was there in their suffering with them, and mm. he protected them in their suffering. And how much more can Jesus Christ do since he lives in me? Mm. And so then I decided, well, that's the mask. It's my Jesus mask. I am ecstatic to have this mask on my face, and I don't want any air coming between the mesh and my skin because I don't want there to be any space between me and Jesus. He's in me, mm -hmm. and he's going to be with me, and he's going to protect me, and he's going to calm me. And 
I never took the drugs. I never, never needed them for anxiety. Mm -hmm. I just went in and Jesus, I asked for my Jesus mask and they mm -hmm. put it on and they're like, Jesus freak needs her Jesus mask. Let's <laughs> get her. Uh, yeah, they kind of thought I was weird, but that's okay. That's great. Um, but that's, and it, it, it was just so powerful to me mm. that, that, that God can take fear. Yeah. Oh yeah. And turn it into trust. Yeah. Um, and that's what, to me, Don, watching this, cause we've walked, been able to walk with Don through the good, the bad and the ugly through all of this. And it's, um, there have been very fearful moments that you've experienced. And one of the things that strikes me is that you, like any of us, there's any of us, none of us are immune to trials, cancer, storm, health crises, uh, marriage collapsing, children, whatever it is. Our neighbor who doesn't know Christ and Don who does know Christ are still, we're still going to walk through trials. The difference is is Dawn can embrace that trial knowing that the Lord is with her. And so because of that, there's a peace that passes understanding that you get to experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what we long for, for our friends that are walking that may not know Jesus. Oftentimes where Christians can derail is because there's one view that we look at. There's one way God should show up. And when I say God show up, it means take the cancer away and, uh, and, take me out of the storm altogether. And God never says that in Mark chapter four when they literally are on the Sea of Galilee going through the storm and Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side. When it's translated, it literally means let's pass through. And so while there'll be times that the Lord delivers us from something, the majority of the times he delivers us through something. Mm -hmm. And we get to choose if we're going to embrace that and let him walk us through that or if we're gonna be bitter Bettys and we're gonna be mad and we're gonna feel as though he's abandoned us because he didn't take it away altogether. And I think the enemy gets a real foothold with us because um, there are others that are saying, well, how could a good God let you experience that? Tell us about how that came to you when, when you met with your, uh, I think it was your pastor, maybe back in yes, 99. Yes. Tell us that story. So back in 99, when uh, I first found out I had breast cancer, I found out two days after my husband, and I, who was my husband for 20 years, he and I divorced. So we divorced on January 4th. I found out that my, I had breast cancer on January 6th and that it was in my lymph system already. Uh, and I had three children, ages 12, 10, and 6. And so a wise, wise man in my church came up to me and he said, Dawn, you've got choices. And I kind of, kind of screamed back at him saying, what do you mean choices? I don't have any choices. I've, I've got three kids to take care of. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I have to keep working. And I have breast cancer. I, have to, I, I don't understand choices. And he said, oh, yes, you can be bitter or you can be a blessing. Which one do you choose? And that has stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And so when this, the new cancer came, I remembered that again, and I, I made a choice. I made a decision at the very beginning. I'm going to be a blessing. Wow, I don't do it very well. There's times that I'm trying to be bitter. I want to be bitter, uh, and I, I, need to, I need to stop and say, Jesus, help me. Right. And some of the ways he's helped me, a, a friend asked me to do a gratitude list, A through Z, one of those days. Well, I got to see, I got applesauce, breathing, and children. Um, couldn't get any further, but it worked. I wasn't, I, I, I felt the, 
the anger, the bitterness going away, I, f I felt peace coming and that God is good. Mm. And I could remember God is good. Mm -hmm. One of the things, Don and I have been able to visit quite a bit in the last week or so. And one of the things that you said on the phone to me that struck me is that bitterness is also a choice. And bitterness is the quick, easy default. And, and it's totally understandable that to be a blessing doesn't mean I'm to manufacture something that's not authentic, that I'm to manufacture and put on that smiling face and pretend that all is well when all is not well. But the way you've been a blessing, initially you thought that means I've got to do something. I'm saying yes, because I got to do something for, and really you were a blessing because you believed him. Mm -hmm. And so we've been able to watch you believing, just believing. And that alone has been a blessing. Uh, one of the weeks when we were starting Bible study, Dawn came in and she'd had a really, really hard day. And the parking has been a challenge here every single week. And this particular week, there were like 14,000 events going on and it was really hard and she had to park four blocks away and she's not supposed to be in the sun. And by the time she got here, she was frazzled and her head just popped off. It was done, she was done. And, and the reason I tell you that is because it was, it was, for us, it was humorous because we know and love Dawn. Some of these sweet St. John's ladies came in and said, there's someone out there that we think is with your Bible study and she's not doing well. She's yelling and you might want to come out. And, and, but what was beautiful is Dawn came in and she was, she was having a really hard day, but she still came and she still walked in and Sylvie and I and Cheryl, we kind of rallied around her and she was having headaches again. And because of that, she was deeply afraid. And that fear produced an anger, like we all know. And we were able to say, I think you're scared. And you said, I am. And then tell us what Sylvia said. So Sylvia, and this is where family is not enough. You really need friends, honest friends, as you said last week or the week before, Friday night friends. Mm -hmm. uh, so Sylvia looked at me and she said, so Dawn, you can either call the doctor to get a new MRI to find out if the headaches are your tumor back, or I'm taking you to the emergency room tomorrow. You get to choose. And now if you know Sylvia. She's bossy. You, well, you know she's going to do exactly what she said she's going to do. So I went home and called the doctor. And I texted her that night because I didn't want her showing up in my house in the morning. <laughs> and I said, Sylvia, so I have a doctor's appointment. It's not till a week from now, but I have the appointment. Um, but what happened from that, in more seriousness, is I, I was so scared mm. about my behavior. And mm. I, I want to apologize to everyone oh. at St. John's because it was awful. But I, it, it scared was. me so much that I called a psychiatrist mm. and I said, at New MD Anderson, because uh -huh. they give you one when you're going through this, I said, this is what just happened. This isn't me, but obviously it's me. I'm petrified. And she said, hallelujah, I knew it would happen someday. I just didn't know when. Oh, wow. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she said, you're in a grief process, mm. Dawn. Cancer, like any loss, is a grief process. When you start, you're in shock. When you go through all your treatments, you're in denial because we don't give you time to feel. You're mm. just doing what you need to do, and you're exhausted. Four to five months mm. after treatment stops, you, normally you get to the next stage, which mm -hmm. is anger. And then you finally will get to sadness and you'll get to acceptance. And so you got to anger, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I said, well, I sure wish it weren't in front of St. John's Church. <laughs> what better place? <laughs> and, uh, but, um, but so 
I didn't realize, mm -hmm. I really didn't realize I was in a grief process. And uh, that made me realize how important friends were who were honest. Like Sylvia saying that to me, I don't think I would have made that appointment. I was too afraid. Because the idea of it coming back petrifies me. Mm -hmm. And we started earlier saying it's not in remission. It, it really isn't. This cancer, they use the word nasty. And when MD Anderson uses the word nasty, you don't like to hear mm -hmm. that. And there's a high likelihood that it comes back, very mm -hmm. high likelihood. So the headaches just freaked me out. Mm -hmm. um, Understandably and, so. And friends, friends are what are, what are important. Tell us, because you mentioned this yesterday, I thought this was helpful. Part of, uh, one of the uh, ways that I am shows up to us is through the body of Christ, through our believing mm -hmm. friends that, just th through people. And so tell us, you'd said family's not enough. Expand mm -hmm. on that a little bit. A family is so not enough. What I realized in this process is, I first need to tell you, I have the sweetest husband in the world. And I shared this yesterday. He learned how to go to every aisle in the grocery store. He is expert at grocery shopping. He couldn't find orange juice when this started <laughs> in January. So he's done everything for me, taking me to appointments, going grocery shopping. My, my three grown children all live in Houston. I can ask them or their spouses anything. They'll drop what they're doing and they'll come and, and help me. So I have a wonderful family, but what I realized through this is that they're going through their own loss. They're going through their own grief process. And this is why family is not enough. My husband in this process is looking at a wife who might be dead. He doesn't know when she's gonna die, if it's gonna be this or something else. My children are looking at losing their mother mm -hmm. and not knowing what that's all, all about. The spouses of my children are trying to comfort their spouse. So everyone's got their own grief going on and that's where friends, your Friday night friends, mm -hmm. a group of women are so important. And in my journey, there were 10 or 12 women mm -hmm. who were on like, I had a phone list of them mm -hmm. and I could call any of them at any time and they were the ones I dumped all my emotions on instead of my husband who was grieving himself. Right. Now, there were times I dumped sure. on him too. But, of course. You know, I can't say I never did, but I tried to, I tried to recognize mm -hmm. that my children and my husband also uh, were grieving. Um, and then there was another circle of friends, which I also think is important. And I had a Caring Bridge page set up, which I didn't even set up. I had one of my Friday night circle friends she set up a Caring Bridge page, and every couple of weeks, she would write something on it. So everyone else who wanted to call me or text me could go to there mm -hmm. so that I had a little, you know, a little bit of privacy. But I also want to say something about friends I that I said yesterday. Yeah. Many of you have friends who are going through hard times. Mm -hmm. It could be cancer. It could be a divorce. It could be yeah, whatever. A number of things. Yeah. Number of things. And sometimes we stay away because we don't know what to say. Oh, I'm gonna say the wrong words. I'm, I don't know how to do it. Maybe she won't wanna hear it at that time. I don't wanna call her because she might be asleep. And I heard this from many of, of my friends. And what I wanna say is, don't worry about what you say. You can send a text that says, thinking of you, or has an emoji of a heart on it, or an emoji of the praying hands. Mm -hmm. and. I don't have my phone on all the time. If I was really sick or if I was in the proton therapy, obviously I didn't have my phone with me, so you weren't bothering me. Mm -hmm. But when I could see those texts, they were so meaningful. And then another friend sent goofy cards. Mm -hmm. Every three or four days, I got these goofy cards in the mail. Periodically, there would be a serious one about 
about uh, loss or mm -hmm. about Christ, but mostly they were goofy, goofy cards. And it was great because instead of bills and junk mail, there was something for me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it brightened my day. And uh, so there are things that you can do. You don't have to. You don't have to do a lot. I guess is what I'm saying mm -hmm. as a friend. Yeah. I, when Don shared that yesterday too, it was encouraging for me as a friend because sometimes I become paralyzed in my own well intentions. But I think because I'm afraid of of making something awkward or I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing or what have you, that really all that is is self-protection. I'll stay back. And when the Lord puts something in my mind and when he brings someone to my mind, I'm really trying to step out more and send a text or pick up the phone or something and just say, here's what I'm believing that God is saying to me about you or here's the way I want to encourage you. And I think it honors the Lord because he tells us in scripture that we are a priesthood of believers which means that he's given us authority to minister to one another. And so we do that just with, with a heart emoji or just mm -hmm. a, I'm praying, I'm thinking about you. And here's a verse that's come to mind. I just want to submit that to you. And uh, every time I've done that, I've never been a fool. I've, it's always been, been something that's been a blessing. And so I would encourage all of us is just to, to begin, when you have those promptings, um, act on those promptings, because I think that the Lord is, is typically behind that. Mm -hmm was really behind that. Um, we're going to kind of wrap up in, in just a minute. But Don, what are some things that you would tell us, um, just some things that you've learned about I am, things that, that maybe you didn't or wouldn't or couldn't have known without no. this storm? So this is where I cry. I'm trying try yeah. not to cry. Oh, you're not allowed to um, cry here. I've never <laughs> cried here. Yeah. Um, he's everything. That's really all I can say. Yeah. He is everything. And I never realized that. Mm -hmm. I also realized about myself that I can give up my life. I you know we say we give our life to Christ. I, I can give all parts of my life to Christ, except I struggle mm. with the number of days he will allow me to live. Mm. I don't want to give that uh -huh. up. And I do struggle every day to give that to him mm -hmm. as well. Uh, because I know that he works good out of bad, mm -hmm. and I know he deeply cares about me, he deeply cares about my family and my friends, and that all is in his plan. Mm -hmm. I just need to accept that and not try to impose my will on God. Uh, so that's what I've learned about me, mm. but he is just everything. Mm. Everything. I, what, I, what I love about that is, um, I think you have a faith that is down in your guts that would not have developed in this intimate way without the storm that you're walking through. Yeah, never. It would, no, it would, it, my intellect is, you know, well, it's going away a little mm -hmm. bit because of the proton therapy, but, um, but, you know, I could be very intellectual in a Bible study. I can read, I can talk about it, I can interpret it, but the journey from here to here, that 18 inches or so, mm -hmm. that's a long journey. And to just know in my heart that he will never forsake me, he mm. is always present, mm -hmm. is something I've learned that I could never have learned unless I had no other choice but to learn it. There are over 4,000 promises in the Bible. Most of them are, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will bring you with me to eternity. Um, 
I'm a good God. And they're all things that really, when you drill down, they go back to the character of who God is. And so as women, as we say yes to God, we say yes to a person. We say yes to a relationship. And that relationship, that person alone is our anchor. It's our anchor. And so everything else is typically unpredictable, is it not? And so, so much of the time in Western Christianity, because we live in a country and in a world of independence and of um, climbing the ladder and of forging your own path and of making your own way and being successful and all of these things, oftentimes the gospel is counter to what feels natural to us. And what I mean by that is God does not promise us up into the right lives. He doesn't, but he does promise that we will be with him forever. And in the meantime, on the journey home, and home is heaven, home is with him forever. On the journey home, when the seas get rough, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, we are always held in his hand. Now, with that, I wanna be really clear that we always pray for healing. I have prayed for Don to be healed many, many times. And oftentimes when I've prayed that, I want him to take it all away. And I want her never have to struggle with cancer again. And I want her body to be 100%. And that's a very valid prayer. So don't ever stop praying for healing because scripture tells us if you're sick, have the elders come around you and mm -hmm. pray for healing. But the end of the day, if God does not heal Don's body, of cancer and, and uh, doesn't heal your beloved friends of whatever ailments they're enduring, does it mean that he's failed you? Does it mean that he's no longer good? Does it mean that he's no longer trustworthy? That's where we meet, uh, our faith really becomes our own. What do I do then when I am has not met my expectations? That's a bit of a crisis of faith and we've all been there. And if you've not been there, you'll be there. And for the, all of us, we'll be there again. And those in my own life have been the most beautiful seasons for me because I can do one of two things. When his, my expectations have not been met, I can turn this way away from him and I can hunker down and get really angry and get really bitter and get sad, all valid emotions. But I'm left to deal with that on my own. I'm left to figure this out on my own. And typically I sit in that at some level for the rest of my life. Or I can turn this way toward God and I can experience the same emotions, but I experience them in the presence of him. I push into him and say, God, this hurts. This is hard. I don't understand. Where were you? And you look throughout scripture and you see Job, you see David, you see Moses, you see Peter, you see Paul, you see Mary, you see Elizabeth, you see Hannah, you see Hagar, all of them. Their faith became real when they pressed into him in the middle of their storm. Hagar comes to my mind when she really is ready to die. And she's sitting at a well because she can't take care of her kid in utero. And she knows that her life is over and the Lord shows up. And he doesn't take her circumstance away. He says, go back to your servant, go back to your mistress, Sarah. Go back to the place that you left, that you fled from, go back. And she says, she, she names the well, Berlahai Roy, which means I've seen the God who sees me. And so I think the appropriate expectations in all of this and what Don is learning firsthand is that while he may not remove the storm, he will pass us through the storm and we get him in the process. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. I mean, he's, 
he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And he's intimately connected with all of your ways. And so the beautiful thing is, is that when we're in the middle of the storm, this massive God titling himself I am becomes my precious savior that shows up in the darkest moments. And I say, ah, you see me, you see me. And so I say that as we end this semester, because this semester has been anything but normal in my life and in your life. And we've seen that and the stories that we keep hearing is I think we're all a little shipwrecked from Harvey and from other things in our lives. And yet so many of us could also be up here with Don and share our stories of how I am has been present. And so there will be more unique seasons like this that come. I'm hoping next spring will just be a season of just God's abundance and it's just all, <laughs> but God knows what the spring will bring. But, but yeah, but regardless, but regardless, I am is still I am. And so thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. Um, ladies, as we come back January uh, 17th, come back with your friends and know that I am will be here and he's gonna have something to say to all of us. And in the meantime, between now and January, don't allow yourself to just become dry spiritually. They've got a great bookstore here with awesome stuff in it. Go buy something, get a devotional. Open your Bible, start with the book of John if you're not sure what to read, but get in the word and begin to pray and experience I am in a personal way as we move through the holiday season. Let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Lord, you are ever faithful, always good, and always present. And you promise that you will lead us safely home. While the journey may not always be smooth, you never leave us, you never forsake us. And for that, we are truly grateful. And Lord, we do pray for Don. Father, we thank you that those uh, headaches that popped up a couple weeks ago have proven to be nothing. We are grateful for that. And we ask, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus, that her cancer would be out of her system forever. Father, we pray that you would heal her body physically. And Lord, we thank you that your presence has been so real to her. And that alone has been the blessing in our lives as we get to see you show up in hers. And so, Lord, we pray that we'd be women that would show up for each other, that we would pray for each other, that we would love for each other, and that we would experience you in the midst of all of that. We are grateful for Jesus, and we thank you, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Great semester. We'll be back next January.